Thank you, Paula. It took me like five minutes to figure out. No, not five minutes, but it took me a couple of seconds. Like, I know that tune. I know that tune. It's a Christmas tune. Why are you still playing it at May? <laughs> I know it's Mother's Day. I figured that out too, but it's like, it was funny. It was out of context. It took me a while to, to pick up on what it was. We've been looking at war with the flesh and what that means to take control of our bodies, uh, to control ourselves and, and the different areas that we struggle with. Um, oh, one other announcement I needed to make. I wanted to, to kind of bring the North American Mission Board uh, into our reality. Um, we in Pennsylvania are blessed by the North American Mission Board. Uh, last year, uh, they had $100,000 or roughly $100,000 set aside for evangelism grants in the state of Pennsylvania. So that generosity that you gave to the North American Mission Board, they turn around and give right back to us. Um, and so, but they're, they're grants for us. And so in, the, in your bulletin, I put this out there. If the Lord is laying something on your heart, uh, if there's something you think we can do to reach out to people, to build relationships and share the gospel in our community, there is money for us to do pretty much whatever we want to. Last year, uh, the state of Pennsylvania left $75,000 on the table that the NAM was willing to give us to do evangelism with in our state. And so I've kind of committed myself to this year making sure there is not anything left on the table at the end of the year. So if we, if you have an idea, if there's something God's leading you to and say, I would do this if I just had some funds, if it's reaching out to, to unsaved people, if it's reaching out to share the gospel, to build relationships with people, if it's some type of evangelism kind of event in our community, all we got to do is fill out a grant. They're looking to give it to us to reach lost people in our community. And so we can be literally on missions funded by the North American Mission Board here in Clarion. All we got to do is do the little bit of work to do it. So anyway, that's out there for us to use. And I wanted to just kind of put that out there because you can come up with better ideas than I can. And all of us together can uh, do a good work. We've been looking at this idea of war with the flesh. And, and I kind of want us to, we, we've been looking at the different battlefields where we fight. And I, I kind of want to help paint the big picture of where we've come and where we're going so that you understand maybe some of the, the line that I'm following. Uh, the first kind of two events, the two first two battlefields we, we talked about are things that I feel like, I feel like I can say everybody has this struggle. I know you're not supposed to ever use universal terms like everybody and, you know, always and all that kind of stuff because there's always the exception. But I feel like most of us, the, the mass majority have had struggles with our mouth. Where we've at one time in our life, maybe more than once, said something, let something slip that, that our mouth has led us into a, a bad place and we've misrepresented God. We've, we've sinned by, by, through our mouth, uh, in, in a number of different ways. I, I feel like that's pretty universal for all of us. And our anger, that sometimes those go hand in hand, that our anger leads us to say something we regret, or we've just had an outburst of anger, that somewhere that we've had these these kind of universal struggles, that, that in mass we can talk about these, and most of us can go, yeah, I, I've had some struggles with that, I know what that's like, um, you know, I need to learn to control this or that better. But the next two weeks, we're going to move from these kind of universal big ideas to talk about these the more personal ideas, these things I call the longings of our flesh that lead us into sin. They're more specific 
and harder to identify in mass because they're more individualistic. What I'm talking about is there's things that, that one person might struggle with that another person doesn't struggle with. And these kind of well up with us. And so it's kind of hard to cover them in mass. But that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Uh, these longings of our flesh that leads us into battles with our flesh. That leads us actually into sin and that we must fight against. And then the week after that on May 26th, I want to put out this disclaimer now. Uh, on May the 26th, the sermon will probably be PG-13 that day. Um, as we look at dealing with our passions. And so I want to let parents know that I will have an alternative for those kids who are under 13 if they want to be excused to, to see something a little bit more age appropriate. As we, as we look at what's going on within our culture, there, there's a battle within our culture. There's a, there's a place that our culture as a whole is really running headlong into. And so we're going to kind of look at how that, how our flesh and how culture and the culture in which we live in is really changing and evolving for the christian and we're going to kind of look at that then the two weeks after that will be the first week will be the first step to victory and the second week will be the second step to victory so that we will end these battle sermons talking about how to have victory and victory assured uh, because of who jesus is and so that's kind of where we are where we've been and where we're going so today we're going to be talking about uh, answering a couple of kind of base questions where do the battles of my flesh come from? Where do the battles with our, it should say with my flesh, come from? Those specific battles that, that you may feel like you're the only person who has. Uh, and you might be the only person who has it. But, but it's the place that you find a particular weakness. It's the place that Satan particularly attacks you at. And may not me or someone sitting next to you. Um, and, and they lead us into sin because we live by the flesh. This is kind of how you answer that question. What battles are, insert your name, fighting that no one else knows about? And you may feel alone in that way, that battle. Uh, let me first probably assure you, you're probably not alone, uh, but we often feel alone. I think Satan wants to think we're alone in these battles. These, these battles that are just mine and how we find out about those. All right, uh, so I want to paint a picture using three different apostles to kind of see how three different of the apostles, Paul, James, and Peter, all kind of refer to this battle, this where these things come from and, and what's going on within us. The first one is from Galatians 5, chapter 16 through 21. It says, So I walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh craves for what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, rivalries, divisions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 17 says, for the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit. So Paul is writing about this cravings we have inside of us. That we're, we're craving, we're wanting something. And it leads us into a battle with our flesh. In James' letter, the chapter 1, verse 14, he says, But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. When the lust was conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings death. 
So James talks about these lusts within us, these these uh, just desires that are raging inside of us that leads us into, into temptation and then into sin. Later in James chapter 4, he, he again talks about this idea. He says, what causes conflicts and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the passions at war within you? You crave what you do not have. You hear that word crave again, but he, he uses this word passion, this this, this driving force from inside of you that, that brings about quarrels and dissension. You kill and you covet, but you're unable to obtain it. You quarrel and you fight and you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may squander it on your pleasures. And so this this passion for pleasure and and looking for things from within inside of us. And then First Peter chapter two, nineteen and Nine through twelve says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, to proclaim the virtues of Him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, and now you are a people of God. Once you were not received mercy, but now you've received mercy." Verse eleven, beloved, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh, which war against your soul. Conduct yourselves with such honor among the Gentiles that they slander you as evildoers. They may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits. And so Peter talks about these desires of the flesh. And so all the apostles, or or these three apostles, all kind of recognize something within inside us as humans these cravings these lusts these passions these these desires that all cause us to sin they well up from inside of us these are their longings they're 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 just kind of something that grows and i think they're deeply personal that we each have these these passions these cravings this something that we want something we long for something we feel like we need or must have uh, that we're passionate about. You know, these are these are strong words. This isn't like, you know, pick pick your favorite whatever. This is something that's, you know, strong cravings, lust, passion, desires. Um, they're inside of us that guide us and take us into a world of sin quite often. This is where our battles start. And so what I want to do is kind of maybe artificially, but just so we can kind of look at them, break these down into two categories that we're going to talk about over the next two weeks. Uh, we're going to break it down into the battlefield of your appetites and the battlefield of your yearnings. We're going to break all these cravings and desires and lusts and passions that, that, that lead us into sin, that, that take us out into the battlefield with our flesh uh, as appetites and yearnings. And so, so today we're going to cover the battlefield of our appetites. Yes, I especially picked this out for Mother's Day since we're all going to the buffet afterwards. It's a good day to talk about this. Well, let me give you a definition of what I want to use when, we're, when I'm talking about appetites, what, what I'm trying to refer to here. Uh, it is external. It is those things that are outside our body or our life that we want to bring into or add to our body and life. So so food could be one, drink could be another one, but it could also be material possessions, clothing, property, those things that they're just kind of external, and we want these things, we crave these things, that we must have these things. And we, we, not all, we either want them in our life, 
uh, for some kind of satisfaction or we want to add them to our life for some kind of other internal desire or passion that's growing up within us. And so that's what I mean by appetites. These things that we, we seek after. First Timothy chapter six, verses eight and 10 may describe this. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. They plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You know, there's just one example in the Bible of what it's talking about, that the people longing for these material possessions, they, they crave for them, they desire. He uses, you can see Timothy, Paul's using some of the exact same words there, cravings, and, and they're plunged into all this turmoil because they're trying to add things to their lives. They're not content with what they have they're seeking something more they're running after something that they want they feel is missing from their life and so appetites we're talking about the external stuff those things we add to our lives yearnings will be more of an internal drive so let's just consider two reactions to control our appetites that are leading us into the sin now, I want to remind you that when we're talking about battles of the flesh, battle wars are for control and that we're fighting this spiritual battle for control of ourselves. And I want to remind you again, I think this is we need to see this every week, why we're in this battle. It's not to gain our salvation it is to bring glory to God's name, that we want people to see that Jesus followers are different and that it causes Jesus to be glorified. Uh, to bring about obedience of the faith for the sake of his name among the nations. This is why we fight this. And, and if we remember this, hopefully this thought that I'm doing this, I fight this battle within myself, not for myself, but for Jesus. That's a motivating factor. That, that this is a good fight to fight, not for ourselves, but for our Savior. That's why we fight these fights with ourselves that's why we're willing to do the things to to win this war because how we act in the world how we react in the world when we claim to be a jesus follower affects other people just this week um, i had I had something to just confirm that um, there was a situation i knew there was a a, a jesus follower a self-proclaimed jesus follower a person who who wanted everybody to know that they were a christian and they were in a situation where with some non-believers where they did something. And I was talking to the non-believers about, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I thought a Christian would be different than that. I, I thought a Christian wouldn't do that kind of stuff. That, I, I, you know, they, and they were, they were reacting to the way the Christian mishandled something. And that was bringing this, this honor to Jesus' name. And my thought was, yeah, I think Christians should do something different. Not that we have to be perfect, but we've got to realize, we must realize in the world in which we live, when we go out and tell the world we're Christian, which, by the way, if we're a Christian, everyone should know it. That's one of the uh, drum beats that, that Randy beats all the time, is that, that if you're a Christian, the simplest thing you can do to evangelize, the simplest thing you can do for other people is just say, hey, just so you know, I'm a Jesus follower. And, and let them know. And then you have to live up to that standard because you want Jesus to be glorified. And that's why we fight this fight. 
So anyway, back to these reactions of our appetites, these reactions we can have to have control of our appetites. Number one, the Bible tells us to be self-controlled. Pretty simple, right? If just exercise self-control. Something that seems to be thrown off in the day. Hedonism is very popular in our day and time. And hedonism is the is just the throwing off of all self-control. If you want it, do it. If you feel like it, have it. it, it just, just give in to any desire. No matter how base it is, no matter what it is, they are actually cruises that go off there. This is a hedonistic cruise. All restraint is thrown off. All self-control is over with. If you feel like it, no one's going to stop you from doing it, no matter how base it is in our society. This is, this is contrary to what the Bible tells us, to live a life of self-control in this world that is pagan. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do not receive a perishable wreath, but, but one that is imperishable. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keeping it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is saying that the Christian life is one of exercise. That, that we have to be self-controlled, that, that we have a purpose, that we're running a race in this life, and we're not aimlessly about it, that we, we're trying to receive a goal, we're trying to reach a goal, and that main goal is to bring glory to Jesus' name, to share the faith with other people. And we should do that under control, disciplining our bodies, showing restraint and self-control over these desires that rise up within us. And so that's the first reaction, simple self-control. The other one is self-denial, and they kind of go hand in hand. You may remember the verse in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, where it says, And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Have you ever thought about what Jesus is, what they're going to deny themselves? What did the disciples deny themselves? They ran around the countryside with little food, little clothing. They were without Jesus himself. When one man came up to him and said, I'll follow you. He said, be careful. The fox have holes. The birds have their nests. The son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. That they were denying themselves quite often physical pleasure. Uh, you know, the things that they would need in life. That they were living a very rough lifestyle. That they were following God at all costs. We were just looking this morning in Mark's gospel. It says they got up and left their dad who was fishing with the hired men and, and walked and followed Jesus. That, that our life is one of self-denial. That we're supposed to give up things. First Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is telling people, he goes in this passage, he talks about, you know, everything's permissible. You can do what you want to. You can eat what you want. You can drink what you want. You can eat food to idols. It's all given by God. But if what you do causes somebody else to stumble, don't do it. Yeah, you got the right, but if it's going to hurt somebody else, you need to deny yourself that right. You need to self-deny. 
Give up what you have. Give up your rights for other people's goods. This is the self-denial that God's called us to. Control yourselves and deny yourselves for other people's good. And so this is how, when we're sitting there like, man, I just really want to have this. Oh, I gotta have this. This is, this is something that, that we will fight and then, and long for that we need to say, you know, I can do without it. I'll either control myself or deny myself. But for God's glory, I don't have to have anything. Really, Jesus is all I need. And I'm satisfied with that. So, I want to go to a point of application. Uh, remind us again that, that we're fighting this this spiritual war for control of ourselves. And these are these desires that grow up within us. We all have them. Cravings, lusts, passions, desires, whatever you want to call it. They're in there for us. But I think they're probably deeply individualistic. I can't tell you what they all are. Um, I'm most familiar with my own. And so here's our application for the day. Would you consider asking God, to show you where your battle is. Just to simply pray, God, where is my battle? Where does my cravings, my passions, my lust, my desires, those things that well up in me, what is it that I'm clamoring for in the world outside that I think needs to be introduced into my body or added to my life in some kind of way? That's going to cause me pains. That's going to lead me down a road of destruction. That's going to, that's going to make me susceptible to sin and maybe fall into sin where is my battle three things you can do if you're willing to to pursue this line of thought to really ask god because god wants these things out of our lives but why because it brings him glory you know and he wants to help us bring him glory we want to bring him glory and so i think we can pray be courageous and rely on god first to really pray god Will you show me in the depths of my heart what I'm longing for that you, that I don't need? Would you, would you reveal that to me? What you would have me to control myself about or what you would have me deny myself for your glory? I think he'll answer that. Be warned. And, and then the second part is to be courageous because I want us to understand this will be deeply personal. These are longings that come from the bottom of our heart. And if God shows that to you and says, now I want you to control yourself or deny yourself in this area, it's going to be painful. You're going to have to be courageous to, to see that. And most of us kind of pray that and say, yeah, God, will you show me what I need to see so that I can get rid of it in my life for your glory? Oh, I don't see anything. Oh, I must, I'm good. All right, thanks. Amen. Afraid that's how we pray that prayer sometimes. We gotta have the courage to take our hands away from our eyes and let God really show us that deep part of our soul. You know that part where his Holy Spirit's living <laughs> and he knows all those little dark corners that we keep him try to keep him out of? He might turn the light on in one of those and now we're responsible for controlling ourselves or denying ourselves. And it will be personally painful. But that's where we rely on God. That's why I like that last song. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So if we want to bring glory to God in these areas of our lives, 
He will give us what we need to accomplish it if we will but rely on Him and not rely on ourselves. God, show me. God, give me courage to do it. And God, do it in me. Help me because I am weak. Increase my faith. Holy Spirit, be there and help me. That's how we would apply that very simply today. A couple of other things as we conclude today. Understand this. Attitude determines the outcome. If you're to embark upon this, if you're going to go down this road and say, all right, I'm, I'm heart diving. I'm going in there to see what's down there and what needs to be gotten rid of, what I need to control, what I need to deny. We're going, we're going down there. The attitude you start with is really going to determine how you outcome. If you start off with the attitude of I deserve, realize that leads to defeat. When you, when you get to that place and you say, I deserve that though, the outcome's already set. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4. Satan said to Eve, you will not surely die, the serpent told her. For God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He sets this scenario up. God's holding out on you. You deserve more. You deserve to know what God knows. And if you will but eat of this thing, you're going to get what God's holding out on you. You really deserve this. Eve's actions. Listen to this. Listen to some of the similar words. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. They're like, we deserve this. God's been holding out. We know we can be better. This, this meets this desire to answer those questions that we want answered. And so it led to our defeat. And so I deserve has been Satan's tactic since, well, literally the beginning. And if that's the attitude we have, when we face these things, but I don't, I deserve this, but don't I deserve to be able to do that? Paul said, yeah, it's all there for you. But if it's hindering somebody else, don't do it for us as Christians. Though the real question is the way to defeat this attitude is to ask yourself, what is it that I really do deserve? You ever think about what a sinner deserves in the face of a holy God? If you come face to face and grips with what it is you deserve, then you might find out how little you deserve of other things. But this attitude, I am dead, leads to victory. This is the attitude we want to have. Because dead people don't want anything. I wrote that in a journal one time. If I can just get myself to remember I am dead, or at least my flesh is dead, my desires won't pop up. Here's how the Bible says it. In Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God for its righteousness where the law or through the law. Then Christ died for no purpose. But I have been crucified. My flesh is dead crucified with christ romans chapter 6 says it this way we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing 
so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. If we remind ourselves, my old self, that flesh that I've been fighting with, it's supposed to be hanging on a cross. And I walk in a newness of life, a life led by the Spirit. That's why Paul calls us to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh, because your flesh is dead. So when we remind ourselves, I'm already dead, these desires start to die away, and that I live to be Christ for people in the world. Scott's going to come and lead us in our closing song. We go out to live in a world that preys on these desires. They, they market to it. They awaken it. They try to stir it up within us so that they can control us. It's all about control. If, if the world can get our desires stirred up, then they can lead us where they want us to go. We got to remember we live differently. We live self-controlled, sensible, self-denial lives for the glory of God so that other people see a difference in how we live.